It is good to be governor. It is also good to be a council member from Queens and the chairperson of the council's committee on environmental protection. And that's what our next guest is. Guest is it's council member Costa Constantinides from Queens joining us to talk about climate, Earth Day, green stuff. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me on. Glad to be here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you're on here with Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, Jarrett Murphy from City Limits. Um, so let's jump right into it, Council Member. Um, what's happening? What's being passed at the City Council tomorrow? So tomorrow we'll be passing a set of bills uh, called the Climate Mobilization Act that at its core will be the largest emissions reduction policy in the history of not just New York City, but any city anywhere. Uh, recognizes you know, climate change. And we have a small window to act. You know, the IPCC, the International Report on Climate Change, Donald Trump's own report that he tried to hide um, during Thanksgiving weekend. The city's report says we have about 11 years to really stave off the worst impacts on climate change. So these bills will get a the largest reduction in the history of any city. And that's, that's what we're starting for Earth Day this year. And what's the mechanism exactly? I know the main focus, I mean, there's there's six bills, I think, in the package, and they're all uh, important, but one focuses on buildings, which is, uh, as we all know, are a significant source of New York City's admission, emissions, and it does, it tells buildings to do what? So these largest buildings, so we have about a million and million point one buildings in, in New York City. There's only about 50,000 of them that emit 30% of the city's emissions, which is unbelievable that these large buildings are the dirtiest buildings when they pollute the most. So these large buildings will have to retrofit um, their buildings over the next few years to get a 40% reduction by 2030 and an 80% reduction overall by 2050. And by doing that, that's the main bill that we're doing. There's also bills on case financing to help uh, building owners get low interest loans to make these retrofits. A bill that has the city studying how we can replace gas powered power plants in our city with solar and wind and battery storage. Bills that will look at how we can increase and set parameters for large wind turbines, green roofs, uh, you know, we, uh, a resolution against the Williams pipeline. I mean, there's, you know, this package is, you know, seeking to free us from fossil fuel infrastructure and look to a renewable New York City. This is um, not only fairly ambitious legislation, but I guess, therefore, uh, controversial. Um, There's been a lot of pushback. Um, What have you heard from opponents or critics of the legislation that has resonated with you, if anything? And um, have there been changes to the legislation as it's gone through the process? No, we've got we've this has been a two plus year uh, process. We've been deliberate in our workings on this bill. We've had, you know, hearing, you know, we've worked with stakeholders to come to a good place. You know, the things we want to make sure that, you know, building out this is these are attainable goals. We believe that we've hit that uh, that medium where we know we need to get down to a certain carbon number because carbon is the disease here. We need to treat the disease, which is carbon. We need to get a, a, our carbon down. We need to make sure buildings can still do this. We need to make ho- make sure that hospitals are still able to function um, and in the, stay in our communities, which this does. We need to make sure we protect affordable housing, which was a huge uh, component to this bill and making sure that affordable housing can still participate, but in a way that doesn't cause MCIs and make New York City uh, less affordable than it is now. So we protect tenants in this bill. 
If, just to follow your metaphor, if carbon's the disease, New York City is just one extremity of the diseased creature. I mean, carbon is obviously used throughout the U.S. economy and the world. And I think one of the questions people ask is, if New York City does the right thing and reduces its carbon dramatically, is that likely in the absence of a national program and an international agreement to profoundly reduce carbon? Is that going to have an impact on staving off the worst effects of climate change. Absolutely. I mean, I think where Donald Trump has dropped the ball, New York City will lead, will be the national leaders on climate change. We're going to send a message to the rest of the world that this is attainable and this is is something that's doable. And other cities can take this legislation and implement them elsewhere. So we expect other cities to follow New York, as they always do, and that this can be a major movement for climate that we can set forth and ensure that we all do our part. Uh, New York City will lead that way. So say a little bit more, go back to what you mentioned about hospitals and affordable housing. What are the nuances of the bill? What are the carve-outs? What are the loopholes? You know, are there are there um, things that folks should know where you're taking an aggressive approach, generally speaking, but you're also, uh, you know, taking a little bit of a scalpel to the situation to, to bring nuance to it, as you indicated? I mean, when it comes to hospitals, we, we know how important hospitals are, um, how valuable they are in our communities. Um, they have certain federal and state requirements that uh, we cannot interrupt, nor should we. So we need to make sure that their carbon number is requisite to all the machinery they need that's life-saving, that meets federal and state guidelines to, to make sure that we're safe in our communities. So this number achieves that goal. And make sure that hospitals are still part of this bill while uh, protecting them in the long term. In addition, uh, you know, looking at affordable housing, you know, we have the, the affordable housing, the rent-regulated units will have to do prescriptive measures, things that can still reduce their carbon footprint, but that do not cause landlords to have eligibility for MCIs. You know, major capital improvements are you know, a way to make New York City less affordable. So we shouldn't be pitting affordability against sustainability. We need both. No rising rents, no rising fees should uh, people fear in this city. So we need to fight off both. And we don't want rents to go up while making it, uh, you know, by fighting climate change. So just in other words, for the buildings that would otherwise qualify, if they have rent regulated tenants in them, there's a there's a different set of requirements that's not quite as aggressive of a retrofitting to reduce the carbon, correct? Correct. Exactly. Okay. Can we get to the goal the city needs to get to without eventually retrofitting those buildings, too? I mean, there are 900-something thousand rent-stabilized apartments. That's obviously a pretty big chunk of the city's households. Well, you know, you know, once once the state fixes the MCI law, which I have great faith in, I know, I think Jessica Ramos was just on your show. Who, yep. you know, we both share a district, and she's amazing. Um, so when the new state Senate uh, is able, and the Assembly is able to move forward on MCI reform, we expect uh, those buildings to be able to join the program. We just shouldn't be pitting affordability versus sustainability at this moment in time. We need to get, we need to get started. We need to get, we need to start fighting climate change now. Um, so we are passing this aggressive bill that will be the largest emissions reduction policy ever. And then with an eye towards other things we can do in the future. But we need to build a renewable New York City starting now. So that's why we're, we're moving forward in this legislation. 
You mentioned the resolution against the Williams uh, pipeline, on which a decision from the governor is due uh, soon or expected soon. And uh, there also, I think, as part of this package, is a, a plan to study the feasibility, just study the feasibility of shutting the uh, the city's uh, natural gas powered plants. Uh, I'm hearing that uh, the buildings in the city now, new buildings and new businesses, are having trouble getting enough electrical power because uh, gas powered um, turbines that exist now are insufficient. And so folks naturally are worried about what what is going to fill the gap if we don't have Williams, if we uh, shut down the natural gas plants we have. Uh, it's a concern we're bound to hear more of. What do you think about that as, a, as an objection or a worry about taking these steps? So, I mean, I'll say this. You know, we've heard this uh, about reliability before. And what is, continues to happen is we lock ourselves into uh, fossil fuel 20th century infrastructure. We need to start thinking for a third way. It can, we cannot just acquiesce to threats uh, from uh, the gas companies. We need to start thinking about how we repower New York City in a renewable way. If you look at Rikers Island, which needs to close uh, for a, you know, a social and moral imperative, you know, as Rikers closes, if we were to take just a fourth of the island and we worked with CUNY Law School and took ideas from the Lippman Commission and expanded upon them, we could take 100 acres of Rikers and put enough solar power down to replace every gas power plant that's been built since 2000. So there, we need to start thinking about renewables. We need to think on how we're going to create power in a renewable way for New York City that is going to be clean and sustainable for the 21st century. That's that's the, the mission that we have to be on. And we've got just a few more minutes here. We're talking with uh, City Council Member Costa Constantinides of Queens, who chairs the City Council's Environmental Committee and uh, is is shepherding through a suite of bills on Thursday that will have uh, a pretty significant impact if they all uh, are executed as as designed um, on the city's carbon footprint over the next decades. Um, you also, I believe, have a bill to create an Office of Sustainability. Is that correct? Um, do you want to explain sort of the rationale behind that and, and where that is in the legislative process? Sure. So we introduced this bill um, last month that would uh, take the mayor's office of sustainability, which does great work, and the mayor's office of resiliency, and combine them into a department of sustainability. I firmly believe that, you know, the fight against climate change, as President Obama said, is the threat of our, you know, the challenge of our lifetimes. Uh, so we need to have a fully funded mayoral department that is both has dollars and intellectual capital at its fingertips to continue to grow. We, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, a mayor now that that gets it and understands the fight against climate change. But we need to make sure that in the long haul that we have the resources to continue to fight it and do it in a larger way because we've seen the models. We've seen models where sea level rise several feet high. Uh, neighborhoods like the Rockaways and Coney Island in jeopardy of sunny day flooding and being un- uninhabitable by the middle to the end of the century. We've seen the models of, you know, eight, you know, 100,000 climate refugees in the tri-state area by the end of the century. We need to have a department that's going to meet those challenges and be fully funded and be fully funded both physical dollars and intellectually capital dollars. 
So you talked about some of the possible impacts of climate change, and the predictions are pretty terrifying. And there's this balance when you talk about it between trying to take measures to reduce your footprint and then dealing with the fact that even if you do that, there are going to be impacts. What do you think about the city's resiliency measures so far? Um, Are they realistic? Are they moving fast enough? Do they cover enough of the city? And are they being bold enough? Should we be talking more about retreating from waterfront areas as opposed to just building walls? What's your What's your view on what the city has done so far? Yeah, I really feel that we need to, you know, we need to work together to seek out a five-borough resiliency plan. Uh, whether you're in the Rockaways or in Staten Island or in lower Manhattan, no matter where you are in the five boroughs, you should feel safe that you can continue to live in the New York City that we all know and love. Um, that, is the, that is what we need to do. Well, we're continuing to have conversations, and you know, our committee will continue to work with the mayor's office on that five-borough resiliency plan because it has to happen. And we need to be able to ask Washington, uh, in, in when we have a, a Washington that is functional, uh, to help us fund this and get real dollars here to New York City. And that when we go do that, it has to be a fully fleshed-out plan. So I look forward to, to working with the mayor's office to make that happen. And do you just to go back to the office or the Department of Sustainability, do you expect to, um, that to move forward anytime soon? Or is that sort of you, you got the bill out there and, uh, you know, the timeline on that's fairly broad? We're hoping to have a hearing um, sometime in May. OK, so, uh, so you know, definitely this spring by May or okay. you know, early June in that in that uh, that that. Interesting. Okay. And uh, just in our last two minutes here, let's switch to to politics for a moment. There's a lot of people lining up, um, you know, who are going to be term limited out like yourself at the end of this uh, four year cycle. We're just curious, um, you know, different people are declaring different plans. Uh, Do you do you have a next electoral office uh, that you that you're seeking after your city council term uh, is up? Yeah, I I love the city of New York. I love the borough of Queens. I've grown up here. Um, spent met my wife here, raising my family here in the borough of Queens. You know, right now I'm loving serving as a city council member, and I'm doing the best job I possibly can. And tomorrow uh, we'll be, you know, passing these bills. Will be the the, the the largest emissions reduction policy ever. Right now I'm fully focused on that. There's going to come a time for me to talk about future electoral ideas, and I will absolutely come back <laughs> and do that. But after Earth Day, okay. okay. <laughs> Okay. Very good. Well, uh, City Council Member Costa Constantinides, thanks for taking some time with us, uh, discussing some of the legislation and other initiatives on the docket. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. I look forward. Thank you so much. Take care. You're listening to Max Murphy on WBAI Radio, 99.5 FM and WBAI.org. Listener-sponsored, non-commercial radio. This is Max and Murphy in our last few minutes here. Jarrett, thoughts on Councilmember Constantinides and things he had to say? Well, just to start where we finished, that last question you asked, we're obviously going to ask that of just about everybody who yes. comes on this show. And it's going to be interesting over the course of the next couple of years to compare their non-answers. You know, there's this idea that there are uh, tribes of... Um, yeah, of, of people in the north who have like 58 different words for snow. There must be at least that many different ways to say, uh, right now I'm focused on the office I have. I've not even thought of it. There's an election in 2021. I had no idea. Hey, so. Ruben Diaz Jr. did not do that. He okay? did not. Give when, him credit when we for talked that. to him a couple of weeks ago, you know, we were, we were right into what's the what's the broad pitch, where, you know. <laughs> I thought, you know, the, the, the package of bills that he is um, helping to shepherd through, some are ones that he has authored, uh, sounds very interesting. I think some of his description of the details is, 
is very cogent. What he hit on, I think, is the real the real issue for the city, which is the question of New York City taking leadership on these issues. And what does that mean practically for the city? Do, are we kind of sticking our necks out to bear the brunt of you know this difficult transition away from fossil fuels and other people aren't going to follow suit? His argument that New York City is going to be a leader, that other cities and states will follow us. I think there is something to that. I think talking more about the mechanisms for that, how do we make that happen? What are the changes to the marketplace that New York City, because of its economic power, can do, the network effects it can create? That's really going to be a big part, I think, of selling this to people, because I think ultimately everyone is going to bear bear some brunt of the cost, some burden of the cost for making this transition, whether you're a rent-stabilized renter or own a building or drive a car. It's going to hit everybody, and the people have to know that that that's an investment in a better future, not just a a more uh, complicated life in New York City. Well, and it also ties into uh, other themes in the city related to transit, related to affordability, because if people want to think and be asked to sort of sacrifice for the long term, they have to have a sense that long term, the city's heading in a healthy direction, that they're going to be able to afford to live in the city, that the, you know, that the, the building that's undergoing these retrofit is going to be a place that they'll be able to continue to afford to live in. So, um, you know, there is a lot at stake. And I but I do think this type of of aggressive legislation certainly is getting is going to turn some heads and get some attention. I believe the mayor plans to sign this legislation. We didn't ask the council member that. I mean, they, the city council, as far as I can tell, hasn't um, you know pushed the envelope really on anything forcing the mayor's hand. So I think there's been some tweaks to the bill perhaps that that led to the mayor's support. Although this is one where uh, you know these are pretty tough requirements, um, even though they have long timelines on them. We're talking about major changes to buildings. So um, you know that'll be interesting to see exactly how the mayor mayor uh, works on this one. But this is something, certainly, if he signs it, that you'll see him trumpeting as something he's accomplished. And mayors get to do that, even if it's not their their idea. Um, let me say one more thing about where we left off, which is, and, and I should have asked the question this way about his consideration of a next office. If Melinda Katz, the current current Queensboro president wins this district attorney race this year, there's going to be a special election for Queensboro president and Councilmember Constantinides is clearly taking a look at running for that position. He didn't want to talk about it now, but but that's certainly on his radar. Right. We might not be talking about 2021, but to 2019, yeah. another another special election. And I would say, too, just very quickly that him talking about or his talking about Rikers Island, the possibility of using it once the jails are gone for some sort of renewable energy, that's an actually, that's a very important conversation conversation to start having now because the debate about whether to build the borough jails or not has become very complex. A lot of people raising big misgivings and a lot of it revolves around the idea that this is a real estate grab. The Rikers Island has become some sort of luxury real estate uh, property. Talking about what will happen on the island, how it will serve the larger city, and, and starting to lock some of that stuff in so that the city is seen as on an irreversible path to closing that jail and the jails that are on the island is really really important to getting the consensus around uh, building the borough jails the city is seeking. That's a great point. I'll just say quickly to add on to that, I interviewed former, now former Deputy Mayor Alicia Glenn recently and asked her about Rikers Island. I was fully expecting her to have some you know, housing development, retail, destination designs on it. And she said they've looked at it. They don't think it's feasible. And she thinks there should be city facilities, You know, maybe another uh, airport runway on Rikers Island. So even she 
doesn't see it as, you know, sort of a place for development and more along the lines of how it can be useful for the city, um, almost with some, you know, hardware or, or city services, you know, facilities or something like that. So it seems like, um, you know, there's some like-minded thinking around some, uh, that, that angle. So many angles, so little time. We appreciate your spending time with us this week. We'll be back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. He's Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. Thank you for listening. Have a great week in the greatest city in the world. Mm-hmm.